Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Sex Wrap. You're here with your favorite podcast host, Spring and Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Spring. How are you feeling today? Oh, I'm just so excited to record this episode as usual. Um, um, Spring was telling me about what she was doing yesterday, and I was kind of jealous, and then I was raging. But since it's her story, why don't you tell people what you were doing yesterday? <laughs> I'm not sure I know what you're referring to, but I'm going to guess. <laughs> um, last night, I was on a panel after a play, and the play was called Eureka Day, as in Eureka Day Um, It's actually about a school. And so that was kind of short for the name of the school. And in the play, they had a lot of parents at this private school who had chosen not to vaccinate their children. And then there was a mumps outbreak. And a lot of children at the school got mumps and they had to close down the school. And then um, some children had some serious uh, complications from it. And so the whole story was surrounding, um, you know, how do we reconcile this kind of personal belief with uh, the needs and kind of um, successes of public health and how do we start to talk about these divisive issues where you know some people are just not willing to even engage or listen to the other side i don't even understand how vaccines became derisive like all the people who hate on them are people who have them and never got sick because they got them it's absolutely ridiculous i don't understand if you are an anti-vaxxer listening please call me we will talk <laughs> we will go over the science we will talk about why it's so important i mean it, it's well, really crazy and people don't even realize all of the ways that it's so important yeah and you know one of the things that helps people want to get vaccinated or want to get their children vaccinated is Um, having some experience of the disease, either themselves or a family member, even a distant family member who has experienced something, if they can see or have heard, you know, how terrible a disease is, people are more likely to choose to get that vaccine for themselves or a loved one. And um, that's, I think, one of I think that's one of the things that is causing this low, lower levels of vaccination is that we've forgotten some of these diseases because we have had such low rates of them because of vaccination. I don't know. For me, it comes down to like, maybe it's because I'm privileged and I went to school and I, I kind of know what they all are and how they work. But but. I mean, I think about people who can't get vaccinated, like little kids or really old people or somebody who might be HIV positive and have a compromised immune system or, you know, people around the world who are poor and don't have con- or don't have access to vaccination. And what happens to those communities if something gets in? Yeah, I can't even talk right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a really serious issue. And, you know, relating it back to sexuality and sexual health, um, HPV vaccination is something that I, again, think everybody should get. And, you know, there's a lot of importance in preventing 
these infections from spreading. And vaccination is this amazing preventive tool that we have that I think we should all consider how how we can help <laughs> get others vaccinated. And they are safe. They are completely safe. If you have an egg allergy, you just do a little snort up the nose. Like there's a, they're safe. It just drives me so crazy that it was all, oh my God, it was based off of this one bad research article that the person lost his job because the article was so flawed and so terrible. And then all it took was a couple crazy people, Jenny McCarthy in the world being like, oh, well, my kid is special in this one article that is completely bunk. It would be like me writing an article about space travel. I'm not a physicist. I don't know anything about rockets. And then all of a sudden, nobody getting on an airplane again, because I wrote an article completely unfounded about how dangerous it was to be in a rocket. I don't know. We know, me crazy. we know that you wouldn't do that. So thank you. <laughs> well, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to make it. No, I won't because I'm afraid to say things that aren't true at this point mm-hmm. because, you know, like one parody story that takes off on the Internet can go totally crazy. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think that, you know, one of the other reasons that we've had so much misinformation spread specifically about um, through anti-vaccination uh, groups is that they attribute these diseases that we don't understand as well to vaccination. And it's, it's unfortunate because sometimes there are diseases that we don't understand, you know, how people get them that well yet. And then people can choose to grab onto those and kind of spread these rumors. And it's hard to debunk something that um, we don't have a lot of facts about yet. And we do know that they're not related to vaccination. <laughs> but when we can't kind of show other evidence, it becomes difficult to refute some of these claims. Well, you you can't prove a not a thing. Like, there <laughs> isn't a proof for things that don't exist. Uh, all right, people. It, it, <laughs> look back to the 1950s, 60s, 70s when we started these mass, mass vaccination campaigns. There were not massive sudden outbreaks of these diseases that we don't understand very well. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, we actually do understand almost all of those uh, diseases pretty well at this point. All you have to do is look at the science. I'm a science nerd. Y'all know I'm, I'm like lots of kinds of nerds. Oh, I'm sweating. I'm sitting here in my office chair, sweating, well, thinking about... Well, that's because you're in Miami. <laughs> well, it is super beautiful now that we don't have a hurricane here anymore. <laughs> uh, well, I'm so glad that you're on the panel spring, spreading the great news about how important it is to do HPV vaccination. I mean, I, I think the other reason why I really love vaccinations is that you protect yourself. Like I'm all about self-protection. I'm a little bit too much about self-protection. I hand sanitize probably too much, all of that jazz, but you also protect everyone around you, right? When you get vaccinated, when you start using condoms, if you get the HPV vaccination, all of those things protect you and they protect other people. And that's beautiful. Like just, just care enough about yourself. Like how the hell are you going to love yourself if you don't vaccinate? (laughs) I'm not even going to say the other half anymore. No. Um, but, I mean, this kind of relates to what we're talking about today, right? I mean, always. <laughs> What's our no, question today? No. So our question today is, should sex hurt? Mm. Okay, I'm going to tell you the answer. Okay, what is it? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I mean, so there are reasons why sex might hurt, right? Mm-hmm. But overall, the answer is no. And, <laughs> and today we're, we're just going to talk about some of the reasons why it might hurt and some, some of the solutions for it. Um, and we're going to take it in a couple different directions. I think that we're probably not the intent of the poster. This came in, uh, in from multiple young women. Um but we're going to talk about lots of different ways uh, or lots of different potential answers to the question. But overall, the answer is absolutely not. So the answer is no. But if it does, <laughs> let's talk about some of the reasons. Yeah. OK, let's talk about why sex might hurt and then what we can do about it so that it doesn't. So I don't know how old um, uh, the listeners are who submitted the questions, um, but it is actually somewhat likely Uh, that women, the first time that they have vaginal sex, are going to experience some new sensations, some different sensations. If the hymen is intact, the hymen's the little flapper, uh, the little bit of skin that might cover the entrance to the vagina. But we know that most women have very little or or not very much of it left by the time they have sex for the first time anyway. Um, So there might be some new sensations. There might, the hymen might rip or tear, which can cause some pain. And then it's the first time the vagina is getting stretched out. And for a lot of uh, women or trans men, that can be a painful kind of feeling or situation for them as well. The first few times, because they're not used to it. They're not used to the sensations. I mean, it's a part of the body that you essentially haven't used your whole life where all of a sudden you're like, hey, yeah, it's my first time. All of a sudden, we're going to take this thing that's been sort of sitting on the back burner and we're going to turn it up to 100. So, And and what you're saying is that it's kind of going straight from zero to 100. And that leads right into some of the things that we can do to actually alleviate any pain there. So we want to go from zero to 10 first, <laughs> and then maybe to 20. <laughs> 10 inches? No! Wow. 10%. <laughs> so, no. so a lot of the solution to like, it should pain or should sex hurt or should be sex be painful? Um, it's like, are you taking it at an appropriate pace for what your body is used to. And if your body is not used to anything, the appropriate pace is extraordinarily slow and extraordinary patience. Men, if you're listening to us today, like this is not like a wham, bam, thank you pain. This is a slow, gentle, playful, I don't know. So yes, it may hurt a little the first time. And if it does hurt a little bit the first time, there are some strategies and, um, We've even had entire episodes about some of the strategies. Do you remember? I think it was our second or third episode, what it was. Lube. Lube. We right. Love lube. Um, we love lube. And if, if you're afraid of pain being pain being sexful, if you're afraid of sex being painful, <laughs> uh, having a little bit of lubricant is one of the best ways that you can actually start to reduce some of the pain, some of the friction, some of the issues with penetration. Um, so lube. And that lube can be internal natural lube right like some people produce a whole lot of lube and that's fine um but probably the first few times highly recommend you know external lube putting lube on the penis reapplying lube and we're not talking spit we're we're talking about some nice high quality lubricant yeah and we have talked about before you know there's not really too much lube. Like you, you can always add a little bit more and it's never a bad idea to have some around. And yeah, this idea that 
you know, spit as a replacement. Sure, it's helpful, but lube is actually designed to last a little bit longer than spit is going to, so that it's going to, again, be helping to reduce any pain or friction that is causing discomfort. So your first time, it might hurt. We Lube will help. I mean, lube helps with the next big issue too. Um, so sometimes there's something that's way too big to go into something that's way too small. So, I mean, there's a lot of fantasies. We see things about size queens or people who want gigantic penises or think that giant penises are attractive. Um, if we look at the number one complaint of painful sex for women, is that the penis was too big. Yeah, so sometimes people's bodies are not necessarily a great match, um, even if they themselves feel like they're a really good match together. And so that means that if you want to have uh, some type of sexual activity with a person that might not be the best physical match for your internal or external parts, then you have to be a little more creative about how are we going to engage in some type of sexual activity together that feels good for both of us. And for most women um, or trans men, if there's a size issue, what we see is that over time, uh, the vagina can actually expand and become comfortable and pleasurable with nearly any size penis. It could take months of work and effort to really get you there. But hint, vagina can push a baby out vagina can take any size penis. I guess the, like if your penis is as big as a baby, I mean that that's never mind. Please like, stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's the kind of good news at the end of that one though, is like over time with lots of work. Um, and by lots of work, we mean, you know, tons and tons of sex play or foreplay to get really turned on and excited. Cause we know the more excited someone with vagina is the more it lubricates and kind of expands and opens up a little bit use extra lubricant on top of whatever is already there. And then, you know, start the insertion with something small with a tongue or a finger or a smaller sex toy or a vibrator and slowly build up to whatever mammoth, not baby sized penis <laughs> that might be coming your way. Well, even, um, you know, there are sex toys that are designed for this too, where you can buy a set of like dildo shaped um, toys and you can have a set that has smaller to larger and you can work with those so that if you're feeling like you really need more and more kind of um, in-depth warming up, like to really get up to a larger shape, then you can start with these different sizes and work them with lube, work them inside, work on this kind of like gentle stretching over time. Yep. Uh, I think they're called dilators most of the time. Like you, Or they can be just like gra gradually increasing the size of dildos. Yeah. Um, but there's one other... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, dilators. Um, I mean, there are dilators start very small, um, but then also there are just like sets of dildos that are maybe not don't start quite as small as dilators do, but are kind of used for the same purpose. Same idea. So another time when uh, women complain about pain, which is the other kind of size issue, is that a uh, Vaginas come in all different depths, um, and some women have really deep vaginas, and some women do not have deep vaginas. So there can be a vag vagina that is not very deep with a very average kind of size penis. You know, five and a half inches is about the average, where if that penis is inserted all the way, 
the person with a vagina feels a lot of pain because there's cervical bumping and some women love to have their cervix bumped by penis and some women just feel extraordinary pain and hate that mm-hmm. feeling. So sometimes it's not an issue of girth that would cause the pain, but sometimes it's an issue of length. Um, and in terms of length, it's length of the penis versus length of the vagina. And if the penis is longer than the vagina, then there's lots of different things that you can do to kind of deal with it. Like you can change positions. You can actually buy little things that go on the base of the penis that prevent it from going like all the way in. Like a little bumper car type situation. Like a little <laughs> car bumper for the little penis so it doesn't bump all the things on the inside. Um, so there's a lot of solutions. Unfortunately, uh, as far as I know, like there might be something out there. There's no like dildo that you can use to stretch length of vagina very effectively. Right. But if you use these other ideas, you can still work so that it's not actually causing that pain. So I think that, yeah, the little bumper, um, penis bumper is a great idea, but also um, quite often changing positions is the easiest thing to do because there are positions that um, are going to be a lot less deep. So finding one of those is going to be the best, I think, for that situation. And one last thing, if uh, someone with a vagina is really, really turned on, so if you've done a lot of kissing and sex play and foreplay and they've gotten really turned on, um, it actually causes some lengthening, elongation of the vagina. And then the cervix can actually lift up, creating, it's called like the fornix, but there's this little space at the end of the vagina that sometimes can be a whole extra inch plus of space. Um, So lube and foreplay are still really good things if it's a depth issue causing some pain in the vagina. So what is the first thing to take away from this first half of the episode? Foreplay is your friend. Yeah, foreplay, (laughs) lube, and it's time for us to take a break. So we will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking about painful sex. Are we talking about mostly how to prevent painful sex or if painful sex should be normal? And the answer to all of those things is no. (laughs) Sex should not be painful. Um, There are just a couple of uh, things that I wanted to mention before we move into the rest of the show. Um, First of all, uh, there can be some ripping and tearing uh, of the vagina if it's during rough sex, if there's not enough lube during sex. And while it's healing... It can cause some pain. Um, that healing uh, is usually really, really quick. We know the vagina is one of the most blood-rich parts of the body. We're not talking about the period. We're talking about <laughs> the the vasculature and blood vessels. Um, so sometimes if there's some tears, ripping or tearing, it can cause some pain. If you've had that kind of rough sex or had something too big, um, just give it a couple days to heal up, Right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else before we get to the second half. Oh, yes. Uh, If you listen to our last episode about gonorrhea and chlamydia, one of the signs and symptoms of those is painful sex. So if you are having sudden painful sex out of nowhere, that's a great sign to go get tested. Get tested. Um, So like onset of pain that's different, go get tested. But uh, 
for the second half of our show, I wanted to talk about, like, expand this uh, conversation to some other kinds of sex and to some other people. So most of what we've been talking about is penis and vagina sex, whether you're trans or cis, um, the same kind of action. But when I read this question, um, I thought, well, you know, I think there's a lot of people, uh, like men and women, who engage in anal sex, and they ask, like, is, should anal sex be painful to them? Mm-hmm. The answer is still <laughs> no. <laughs> no uncomfortable perhaps at the beginning we have a whole episode on how to have anal or how to learn how to have anal sex where we invited our friend cindy onto the show and she talked about it um but anal sex is a little bit different and we have to talk about some different strategies to make it not painful compared to vaginal sex i mean some of the strategies are also exactly the same (laughs) so we're talking about warming things up we're talking about using lube i mean these are like hands down, definitely your friends for anal sex also. And I mean, the same thing about starting out with something small and slowly getting to something a little bit bigger to get the anus ready for penetration. It's all started the same, all part of the same package. Um, the anus is a ring muscle. And uh, you, whenever you do your Kegels, remember Kegels, Kegels, everybody? Just do them now for a second. Hold on, we'll wait. <laughs> Try to do them to the beat of Uh, of the Jeopardy song. (laughs) Oh no, we're gonna get demonetized. Never mind, we don't get monetized anyway. Um, no. So, uh, you can uh, do Kegels. Uh, Kegels uh, exercise all of the muscles in that area, but the anus is also a muscle that you can um slowly stretch out a little bit to make it more comfortable. And lube is incredibly, incredibly important. I, I had a student send me a funny story a couple weeks ago. Um, it was fan fiction, um, and it had two male characters in a show making out and then having sex. And they thought it was funny because they got to the part where they had sex and they didn't use lubricant or spit or anything. And you cannot, it was two male characters. And anal sex really just, you need you need more lube. Um, but you can stretch it out. Um, You can do more foreplay. You can get used to touching it. Um, But for a lot of people, anal sex is really painful because someone just tries to stick it in you. (laughs) And that's not how anal sex works at all. It's not how vaginal sex should work either. Um, Vagina is a lot more forgiving about that most of the time than an (laughs) anus is. So uh, don't be an asshole to your asshole. (laughs) No. So the anus just takes uh, some warming up, just like every other part, touching, rubbing, lubricant, slowly stretching, slow insertion. Um, Something that might work if you're interested in engaging in anal sex and you don't want it to be painful, if you're the receptive partner, um, the person who's taking a object into the butt, is just have your other partner lay down and you be completely in control with how deep and how far and how fast everything moves. Yeah. Uh, and then there is one other kind of sex I wanted to talk about that people don't mention. But, you know, when you when when our listeners submit questions and they aren't specific, I just kind of get to go or we just kind of get to go whatever direction we want in a given day. <laughs> um, so oral sex can actually be really painful, too. We're not talking about that weird, fake, gaggy nonsense that they'll throw into pornography where it's like jabbing someone in the throat and saliva is going everywhere. Like if you're into that thing. Sure. But we're just talking like overall, when you start practicing oral sex, your jaw can really start to hurt. It doesn't matter if it's uh, like cunnilingus or fellatio on a penis or on a vagina. Like, you know, you're like you're sucking and your mouth is open, doing weird kind of things. Um, 
and if you keep practicing, that can go away too. I'm yeah. not don't practice on vegetables <laughs> at home or anything like that. Well, yeah. I guess you could. I mean, so talking about like the jaw kind of being open for a very long time that is also just kind of always going to hurt and a lot of people also have different issues with their jaws um various like levels of tmj and i think you know that it's important to just kind of experiment with how you can try to minimize that for yourself. Like there might be kind of certain angles that will feel better or, you know, ways to take breaks from giving oral sex while you're still using your hands or something so that you are giving your jaw a break here or there to like kind of mix that up, but also um, take care of yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's really important for people to know if you've never had oral sex and you're not interested, that's fine. If you have had oral sex, you know that it can be really quite pain. It's weird. The first time you get like a Charlie horse in your jaw muscle, you're like, what the, anyway, um, it's normal. It'll be a little bit achy and it does get better over time if you practice with it. Cause it's just another muscle. Um, I also want to say before we move on to our final topic for today, there are some people who are looking for pain during sex. There are masochists and there are sadists, um, who either like to give pain or get pain. Um, so is sex painful? If you want it to be, You can find somebody who's trained to be safe and and do pain. Um, But if it's one of the fetishes that you're thinking about engaging in at some point in your life, just be really careful and take really small steps because you want to make sure you're not doing anything that causes permanent damage, Mm -hmm. right? There's like sexy, playful damage or playful hurt. And then there's actual real damage to another person. Um, So if you are interested in uh, sadism or masochism, just be really careful. Do lots of research. Um, We're not condoning or condemning it here, but we're saying this episode is not really about, you know, should sex hurt. And you you can check out that intro to kink episode we have too, where we talk about all of the things you want to consider and reflect on as you're starting to explore some of those kinkier topics. Um, so the final thing that we're going to talk about today um, is there are some people with vaginas who do experience a lot of pain, and it's not based on any of the other stuff that we were talking about. Yeah, so vaginismus is a condition where there's involuntary contractions in the vagina when something is inserted into it or is trying to be inserted into it. And those involuntary contractions can be very strong. They can be very fast. They can be very painful. Um, And so if that's the case, then we can also talk about how we can try to alleviate some of the pain that vaginismus is causing. Right. Imagine that you've just gone on a big run or a big workout and your muscle cramps up that kind of pain. Now, imagine that kind of pain with something kind of digging into it and forcing its way into it. Um, So a lot of time when women experience vaginal pain, it is that kind of crampy pain. And there's a lot of different things that can actually trigger uh, vaginismus. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes the woman's body or trans men's body just has that response where anything that touches the vagina causes, like Spring said, that spasm and tightening, that kind of cramp feeling. Um, and it's involuntary. The person with the vagina is not trying to to make it happen. Um, but sometimes there are other things that can trigger it as well. Like somebody who has had negative sexual experience in their past, perhaps their first sexual partner was really rough and it hurt. Um, they're back in that situation again, they're going to remember the bad feelings and it's going to cause everything to kind of tense up and cause the same kind of 
pain as well. Um, so there can be emotional triggers, there can be social triggers, there can be location triggers, there can be physical triggers. But the good thing is there's lots of ways for us to actually deal with it. Yeah. So, I mean, some of the things that we talked about earlier, um, so we were talking about using the dildos of different sizes, so specifically dilators. Um, and dilators are these range of size things that you can work to insert. And they start actually very small, like smaller than a finger. Um, so that like a pencil. So that somebody that is having um in, like intense pain with anything trying to be inserted, um, you can start with these very small things so that it's kind of, it's, it's physical and it is um, psychological training so that as you are getting used to having something inside you, you can gradually, gradually, gradually work your way up. Um, and for some uh, women or trans men with, uh, who have vaginismus, it can be treated with something as simple as practicing your Kegels exercises because you get to know your body and you get to know your feelings and you get to kind of understand where your pelvic floor is and what it's doing. Um, for a lot of people, though, you don't need to do Kegels. You don't need to do dilators. For a lot of people, it's just talking and communicating. And sometimes you go to counseling, you go to a sex therapist. Sometimes it's just education. You read a pamphlet about, oh, this is my body and this is how it's supposed to feel. Um, and for a lot of young women, there's so much stigma and shame against them and sexual pleasure in their vaginas. I mean, think of all the negative messages we get to and about women all the time in our lives. It's a response to that. Like, I don't feel like I'm supposed to feel good. Um, and if that's the case, sometimes it's just sensation training where you get used to touching and feeling good or get used to even looking at yourself and feeling good about it. Um, so there's a ton of options depending on where it's coming from. Um, it's not the easiest thing in the world to treat, but there's really good success rates if you do have consistent uh, pain, vaginal pain during intercourse. Um, there's a ton of different treatment options available. And we'll leave a link at the bottom of the show as well where you can uh, get additional help if you need it. And I mean, one of the kind of most frustrating parts, I think, of that, of vaginismus or any type of pain during sex is, you know, how much it affects you. So it affects you not only physically, but then there is the emotional distress. And, you know, then also that can extend to the partner and the partner might feel guilty. The partner might feel confused about why it's happening or like they are to blame in some way. And so it actually causes then some relationship distress too for people who are experiencing some type of pain during sex. So not only do we want to think about how can we prevent these things, how can we uh, make these things um, better if they're happening, but also like think about this in this very complex you know, scenario that it is and how can we have conversations with our partners about what's happening and to treat that, you know, in conversation with our partners so that they're part of it and so that um, everybody can kind of feel like they're part of the solution and working to make both partners feel happy and um, pain-free. And I want to say not just pain-free, but amazing <laughs> during sexual activity. Right. Most of the time, uh, if you are not having pain, sex is supposed to feel pretty good. That's why people talk about it all the time. Men and women and <laughs> cis and, all, and trans, like every, it's supposed to be 
pretty damn fun. So if you're not having that kind of fun, keep listening to our show. We'll have lots more tips and tricks. Um, I hope that you're not having pain during sex unless you want it. But if you are, you can do something about it. (laughs) All right. Um, So today uh, I have a tip. Do you have a tip today, Spring? Just the tip. tip? My tip is if just the tip is consistently causing you pain, go see a doctor. (laughs) Just the tip causing you pain. Get it? It's terrible. And my tip is to go back and listen to some of these related episodes, actually, because, um, you know, in thinking about um, how to treat some of these things, um, also, we've talked about counseling and sex therapy before, and there are people that those are really good options and those are the options that you need as well. So check out our episodes on those things and um, then you'll feel well prepared to make sure you're having an amazing sex life. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. If you have any follow-up or uh, have any additional questions about this or any other topic about love, sex, relationships, pretty much anything, um, let us know. You can call us. We're at 413 rap it. You can reach us uh, via email. We're thesexrap at gmail.com. And then you can find our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Sex Rap. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too af- Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.